the air conditioners finally fail. Yep. And then the pressure outside the dome is so huge that the dome basically melts and or collapses. Uh, yeah, that's right. That would be that would be a fun lottery to have in the last days of human <laughs> civilization. Right. Is, will we be crushed or broiled? <laughs> Welcome to What the If, dear listeners. Um, we have we have a new beginning. If you've if you've tuned in before, I always began by saying good morning to Matt, and I felt that maybe I was neglecting you because and also that mornings are just never good. Mornings are never good, um, and wherever you are or whenever you're listening, who knows? It might not be morning. Oh, um, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. You could, if if you live on a tidally locked planet, there may be no mornings. <laughs> I refer you back to our previous episodes about living on a tidally locked planet. Uh, but welcome, welcome. Um, if you've tuned in before, I'm so glad to have you back again. And if you're new, you've just stumbled on the most amazing podcast you've listened to in the past 10 minutes. <laughs> By far. Yeah, you're not wrong. If you have subscribed, thank you, and this showed up automatically, and you listened to it because your brain has become habituated to it, then it's working. If you haven't subscribed, do so. Uh, you can do it on iTunes uh, or whatever your preferred thing is. If you don't know how to subscribe or you don't know what, uh, where to find the link for whatever podcatcher you use, you can go to our website, by the way, whattheif.com. Click subscribe, and uh, I have links there to just about everything imaginable. Um, I'm Philip Shane. I'm a documentary filmmaker and um, super science consumer of science. I produce none. Um, I'm a fan. It seems weird to be a fan of science. Everybody should be a fan of science, but it's like being uh, well, but not everybody is, and not everybody is. Uh, if you are, thank you. We know we are keeping the world slightly balanced toward truth and uh, investigation based on evidence. Um, speaking of which, I, I don't know. That, that makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know about that transition. But yeah. there, There's no transition here. We're going nonlinear. Well, Matt Stanley, Professor Matt Stanley from New York University is here as well, as always. You are our resident expert. Um, I'm always a little nervous about being called an expert, but yeah, I know some stuff. Right. I'm nervous about being called resident. Unless <laughs> <laughs> the census workers show up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Illegally subletting this side of the audio conversation is Matt Stanley. Um, and uh, we've known each other a while. Um, you can learn more about us on whattheif.com. Um, but basically, we created this show because uh, we wanted to do a podcast. We love science. We love communicating science. And I thought, well, what do we do when we're together anyway? This is pretty much what's going to happen today is pretty much what I've done every time I'm with. Yeah, whenever we hang out. We hang out and we go, well, what if we were masters of the universe? How could we 
screw things up. And, and it turns out there's lots of ways we can do that. It, it absolutely. In fact, we at least fifty four, fifty five. I don't know. We we're up to show fifty something, and um, the universe amazingly still survives. Uh, in <laughs> despite despite our efforts to destroy it, exactly really. to tweak it beyond its its uh, acceptable limits. We've broken the warranty on the universe many times, uh, but. Uh, in the spirit of great sitcoms, we try to put things back together at the end so that when we start next week, we can pretend that yeah, we still exist. Everything's okay. Mm -hmm. um, this week, we're continuing a, a uh, incredible what-the-if scenario. And before we do that, just, Matt, uh, what the if? Why what the if? Well, so anybody can just do a what if, right? What That's if right. I wasn't wearing pants? Or what if there was a giraffe <laughs> outside? But, but with what the if, we, we change something about the universe uh, and then get emotionally invested in it. Uh, so we've got some uh, emotional content to it. That's right. And another, uh, maybe the only other rule we have, because we don't like to follow rules really, is that we, we, we are only allowed to change one thing. So for instance, either you're not wearing pants or there's a giraffe outside, but not both. That's right. It would be ridiculous to have both. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just, that's science fiction. What we're doing here is science, um, well, it's a thought experiment. Yeah. Basically. If, 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 I'm not sure that what we do is dignified enough to call it something that Einstein called what he did, but... Well, I think as long as we don't say it in German, that's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Some show, like on stage uh, in a play, you don't want to say Macbeth because it curses the play. So here we will not say the German word for thought experiment. Um, if you know what it is, by the way, send it in, win a free prize. You can email us at feedback yeah. at whattheif.com yeah. or hit us up on Twitter at whattheifshow. Here we go. We're continuing last week's, uh, we had a cliffhanger as we, Often do. Mm -hmm. This is a two-parter. Now, by no means do you have to have listened to the previous episode. In fact, a friend of mine I was just talking to yesterday said, oh, you know, I just listened to the first part of your awesome episode on uh, what it, do we live in a simulation? And so he listened to the first one after listening to the second one. And I said, well, how, how was that? He's like, oh, it was totally fine. I, it didn't make a difference. Um, and that's a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you can do so after this one. What we're continuing is um, we're saying we're taking uh, we, we, we try to take topical uh, issues in science and hot issues. And here's a literally hot one. Uh, <laughs> the planet is warming. If you're in the northern hemisphere right now, especially if you're at least um, within two miles of me, you are sweltering hot. Yes. It is really hot. <laughs> Schwitzing. And what we said was, in this what-the-if scenario, is what the if everything was as it was, that the world is heating up, but it's much faster so that we, we really are living through the change, something that may take hundreds of years, or may not, the way things are going, but we want to really experience it. So basically, Earth is on its way to becoming Venus, a horrible, uh, sweltering, 
I mean, Ven- they really could have called Venus Schwitz. Uh, they could have instead uh, named it after the goddess of beauty. Right. I- <laughs> One of the great ironies. Yeah. Well, she's very hot. Yeah, they didn't know that that uh, what was going on. When they named Venus, they didn't know what was really going on inside. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's beautiful, like a pearl, I suppose. Um, because inside, it's, uh, it's kind of heat. Is it, is it clouds we're seeing? Actually, what is it? Why is Venus? Uh, yeah, so Venus has a very thick cloud layer. So when you look at Venus or you see uh, a photograph of Venus, what you're seeing is the, the top level of the clouds. Mm. Um, and that's been the case for, you know, 100 years, as long as we've had good enough telescopes to see details right. as we see the clouds. So for a long time, that sort of fired people's imaginations. They're like, what's under the clouds? Mm-hmm. So all the, so like all, all this great mid 20th century science fiction about Venus as a jungle planet and there are giant swamps, kind of like Dagobah or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, spectroscopy got a little better and we found out that the clouds are mostly uh, sulfuric acid. Whoa, what a bummer. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. Uh, unless you're a fan of sulfuric acid, in which case there must be some out there <laughs> yeah. somewhere. I'm sure. You cheered. Uh, yeah. So once we were once instrumentation got a little bit better, we were able to tell that the clouds were sulfuric acid, um, and that they were extremely hot, and that pressures were super intense. Right. So the the irony is that if you see clouds when i when i hear that oh a planet is covered in clouds i think actually that's my favorite kind of day when it's cloudy oh and nice. and a okay. little bit warm you know not freezing not raining um but you know it's cloudy it's like it's comfortable uh it doesn't get too hot and whatever uh so i apologize to the sun god but not <laughs> not a huge fan um so uh we, so you would think, oh, you know, a planet covered in clouds would be great. If Earth were covered in clouds, it'd be cooler and we'd be fine. We wouldn't have to worry about this global warming catastrophe. But that's not, that's actually uh, the opposite. No. no. So the clouds, uh, uh, say it depends on what the clouds are made of. Ah. and where precisely they are in the atmosphere, sort of high or low. So some kinds of clouds will reflect sunlight back out into space and cause cooling effects. Ah. And some kinds of clouds will trap solar energy underneath, and that's when we get the, the so-called greenhouse effect. So along the sulfuric acid, uh, Venus has lots of carbon dioxide. Ah. So it's that carbon dioxide, just like here on Earth, that creates a greenhouse effect and traps solar energy. So, so now Earth, we don't have sulfuric acid clouds. No, nah, it's kind of disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. But, and yet we, in other words, here's the chicken and the egg situation. Did mm-hmm. it, was it the sulfuric acid clouds that caused the greenhouse effect on Venus? No, or the sulfuric acid is just kind of a bonus. Um, it's the carbon dioxide that uh, creates the, the greenhouse effect. Ah, okay. Um, and as we, we talked a little bit 
about last time is we get Venus is the victim of what's called a runaway greenhouse effect, which we may or may not be at the, the early stages of, in which increasing temperatures on the planet uh, release more carbon dioxide. And then that carbon dioxide leads to higher temperatures, which releases more carbon dioxide and so on. Right. So where, why does Ven why did, let's say, so in the, be in the beginning, <laughs> um, interesting thing happened. The solar system formed and uh, pretty much let's assume that uh, Mars, Venus, Mars, Earth, and Venus all formed at about the same time. Mm -hmm. and, and we're pretty similar early on. Yeah. Sim so we were similar and each went a different way. Right. And so um, basically let's say Mars was farther from the sun and so it cooled, got too cool. Uh, right, yeah. So Mars did not have um, this nice initial layer. That it didn't have a thick enough atmosphere to start a greenhouse effect in the first place. Mm, mm, so mm -hmm. it just got colder and colder and colder um, uh, until it's like Syracuse, New York. That's just cold all the time. <laughs> you could have called it Planet Syracuse. <laughs> and then called Syracuse Mars, but you know. Uh, so, um, whereas uh, Earth and Venus started with thick enough atmospheres, and I should say that's probably because of um, volcanic activity that both Earth and Venus have a lot of tectonic activity going on. Ooh, right. So there's so the volcanoes chucking stuff up into the um, into the atmosphere. Uh, so exactly what the point of departure is between Earth and Venus is hard to say. I mean that's. Uh, that's a point of good research that people are working on now and probably will for a long time right? Um, because it was so long ago. But it seems to me that the development, and this is, again, another chicken and the egg question, is uh, life, right? So here mm -hmm. on Earth, um, plants evolved to suck up some of that carbon dioxide and turn it into oxygen. Uh-huh. Uh right. So we also have uh, these giant oceans of water which act as reservoirs for the carbon dioxide too. Uh -huh. So that helps. Um, so it's unclear whether, you know, did Venus not have oceans of water to start with? Um, did it have them, but it boiled off? These are the questions that, you know, planetary astronomers will spend their time thinking about. Yeah, so where, where, why did Earth and Venus have, wh where does this carbon dioxide come from? In the planet. Oh, it's uh, coughed up by volcanoes uh, in the first place. That <laughs> is, it's a it's a byproduct of the the burning you get when you toss lava on things. Uh, okay, so both both planets form. Mm -hmm. They are creation of a planet makes it very warm, as well as I suppose having the sun shining on it. Yep. And um, the, for instance, it created so much heat that the interior of the Earth is still extremely hot. Right. Uh, as certainly as the interior of Venus, too. Right. And so that heat from the formation of the planet and perhaps some radioactive elements in it uh, keep the inside of the planet super hot, which keeps rocks uh, molten and sometimes all that lava gets pressure built up and it shoots out onto this into the yeah, sky. Yeah, goes, goes to Hawaii. Yeah. Right. And so something about that process of melting rocks, to use a very loose term, uh, creates carbon dioxide. Yeah, you'd have to, I'd have to read up on geochemistry and things to 
figure out exactly what the compounds are that, right. that are releasing the carbon dioxide and such. Um, uh, but yes, generally, so, you know, when, when we look at a volcano, we're excited by the lava and, you know, the giant chunks of rock being hurled up into the sky. <laughs> but what you can see is actually a pretty small portion of the interesting thing that's going on. So along with that lava flow, uh, or pyroclastic flow, as it's technically called, cool. comes all of these invisible gases because um, there's all of this gas that's being generated by these volcanic processes. So like in the, the most recent Jurassic World movie, uh. what was it? I can't remember what the actual title was. Um, but there's the scene where um, uh, Star-Lord and the dinosaurs are all running in front of the lava trying to escape. And what kind of bugged me is that if you're that close to the lava, you're going to be dead from those invisible gases. Ah. Right. So the, the, the giant wall of carbon dioxide would long since have smothered you by the time the lava is uh, nipping at your heels. Ah. So like maybe those people in Pompeii actually may have died before they were before the lava got there. Yep, yeah. I'd say almost certainly. Wow. Um, and that's a, so should anyone listening to this need a PSA for keeping away from lava? This is one, which is if you get close <laughs> enough to the to a, a active lava flow to like take a good picture, you're probably going to suffocate. So don't do it. Ah, right. <clears throat> wow. And and uh, that's why it's so dangerous for people, uh, geologists and volcanologists, I guess they call it, that do yep, go study. They are often wearing uh, masks. Yeah, you'll see that. Yeah. Um, and they're gases, right? So eventually they will dissipate and move on. So. Don't be fooled because you'll see pictures of, you know, volcanologists right up next to the lava. Right. They're highly trained professionals who know when it's safe to get close. So don't do that. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. Uh, pro tip. Don't try this at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, man, it, when I look at those pictures in Hawaii, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for the people who's the small number of the houses that are getting destroyed. But like, I, I've never been to Hawaii, but I would like to go there and see those volcanoes. It looks incredible. Yep, it is pretty extraordinary. <laughs> now, so we don't know what we don't know the order of things that happen on Venus, but we can say we do know that the Earth is heating up. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very likely, an enormous amount of evidence that that's being greatly accelerated by gases that we are putting into the air through pollution, right? Industrial processes, yeah, right. So we are humans are a volcano of sorts. Um, yeah, that's a good way to think about it, actually. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that uh, geologists do is they like to divide up the history of the Earth into different time periods, right? right. The Eocene, right. the Jurassic, and so on. Um, and uh, they're usually divided up by sort of the, the kinds of geological processes that are dominating the planet at that time. Uh, and a lot of geologists want to name, uh, want to say we're in a new era now, the Anthropocene right. era, in which the dominant geological forces are humans. Yes. So just like right. Jurassic is, was an age, someday somebody will build Anthropocene Park. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and they will. Yeah, it'll It'd just be, be this horrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, steam engines on display, and yeah, uh, you know, fake Facebook screens. That's yeah. right. And before you go in, you know, you'll have to put on gas masks and uh, hazmat suits 
because it's like we're taking i mean assuming the people survived or whoever it is that built this park uh are living in a much better climate than the than what's going on inside the park uh well yeah that's right one hopes yeah you just walk in in, in anthropocene world you can see it from miles away for instance disney disney world amazing place is designed so that you can't see Disney World at all, no matter how far away you are from it. You don't see it until you're in it. And mm-hmm. this is beautiful, happy land. Extraordinarily clean, by the way. I mean, it's, it's, ama- well, it's one of the most amazing things about Disney World. It's like, unbelievable. So uh, Anthropocene World, however, Anthropocene Park, mm-hmm. is the opposite. You can see it. You know, it's just enormous belching. That's right. Huge clouds of smog hanging over it from miles away. That's right. And instead of like a beautiful Cinderella's castle in as the centerpiece, it's just some factor. Uh, yeah, maybe a coal a, plant. Um, uh, yeah, coal plant. That sounds good for a <laughs> gas station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, that'd be kind of fun, you know? Briefly. For yeah. a horror movie. Yeah, briefly until you <laughs> until you die. So uh, humans, the human volcano is belching out pollution of all kinds, not just factories, but cars and, mm-hmm. and so forth. And this is going into the air. So now are, 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 is the Earth, are sulfuric acid clouds forming in the planet? Oh, so not, um, no. And right. um, uh, we'll probably, it's not impossible, right? So one of the um, industrial pollutants we produce is sulfur dioxide, which is a good start for um, sulfuric acid too. Cool. So uh, the answer would be <clears throat> if we're real, if, if we keep on, if we keep on soldiering, we may get our clouds of sulfuric acid. <laughs> um, so like those of you who are old enough will remember the acid rain yeah. days, right? Um, which we may be going back to. So acid rain is essentially just extremely dilute sulfuric acid. Ah. Oh, I didn't realize that the acid rain stopped. Uh, the the Environmental Protection Agency did good work. Wow. Yep, it, is, it, is a, it is now an unusual thing, uh, whereas it used to be quite common. Um, wow. And that's just that's a straightforward example of how government regulation keeps you from dying. Wow. Is, uh, it used to be the case that factories and power plants could pump whatever they wanted into the atmosphere. And then the EPA set a rule with maximum of sulfur dioxide emissions. And now we don't have sulfuric acid falling from the sky regularly. Ah, see, as a poorly educated American, I, did, <laughs> I mean, people should know that. It you would know. be nice, right? Because, you know, we have uh, uh, government, uh, people in the government trying to dismantle these sorts of processes. Uh, yeah. Um, and it would be nice to remember sometimes that... That, you know, the rivers in Pittsburgh don't catch on fire anymore. That's right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's not because people in Pittsburgh are more careful about, you know, dropping matches than they used to be. Right. It's because there are now rules about what factories can pump into the water. Right. Now, somehow, yeah, knowing that rivers are cleaner, for instance, I I kind of have a sense of, at least having grown up through it. So, yeah, if you you were much younger and you didn't live through that, you know. Anyway, uh, long story short with that is like, People don't know that we actually had, we have accomplished enormous things. We have yep. been able to get ahead of um, environmental disasters. And, uh, but this one, we're, we're seemingly falling behind. And so, uh, so since our what the if is, we've speeded it up. 
So if, uh, let's say that, you know, uh, well, every day, that's how fast it's going. Okay. Okay. Every day. So today the world is as it is. Tomorrow, uh, like what's, what's the first, okay, so, so everything's heating up. Here's one Mm -hmm. thing we do know. This is very much in the news that uh, we, we all know that there's all these huge storms and unusually powerful weather and fire. So we're starting to see the fact that when you heat up the earth, you pump more energy into the atmosphere. Right. Yeah. You get Um, bigger disasters. Yeah, that's right. So this is, um, it's interesting that these are some of the first things we're seeing. So, So as you say, global warming means that or just the earth getting hotter means that there's more energy in the atmosphere and things like uh, hurricanes, for instance, take a lot of energy to form. Um, Now it's not necessarily the case that more available energy means more hurricanes, but that seems that does seem to be happening, right? So we're getting more high energy weather events. And this is not, and this is often the case in science, that you can't show a direct causal arrow <clears throat> from one thing to another. Right. Um, you can't say because the atmosphere is hot, there are more uh, hurricanes. Right. But rather you say something like the processes that let hurricanes form are going to be much more common when the atmosphere is hot. Right. Right. I mean, almost, um, I, I imagine almost as like a balancing act that like the, uh, the atmosphere is, the air is always swirling around and you have different, you know, different temperatures, different pressures and all this stuff to create all this imbalance. Uh, but when there's low energy, there's less likelihood that the occasional like super whirlpool is going to get started. Right. Where it's more yeah, energy. Because there just can... isn't enough energy for that to be a common thing. Right. right. Whereas, is, um, is, it, is it related to, for instance, we can look at Jupiter and we see... Mm-hmm. Gigantic har- storms. Yeah, yeah, all over the place. And mm-hmm. is, that's partly because there's so much energy in the atmosphere. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of things going on uh, with Jupiter. Right. Now, I don't know if Venus gets hurricanes or some, some oh, analogous right. storm. That would be an interesting thing to check. I Although I do, I do think it has endless howling winds. Yeah, it could just be a perpetual hurricane. Right? I don't ah, really believe that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then, uh, so that's hurricanes, and then the fires, as you say. Mm-hmm. This is, I don't know, kind of a more subtle thing, because it's not that the atmosphere is so hot that things are bursting into flames, right? That's right. not what's going on. Right, right, right. <laughs> But yeah. it's actually you said, more subtle, simply that if it's because it's hot, um, things are drier than they normally are, and then yeah. it's easier for fires to start. So you might not think that that would be a huge difference, right? So you say, eh, the forest is 3% drier than it normally is. That's no big deal. Yeah. But it turns out that there, there are these, fire is one of these things um, that builds on itself, Right. So even it's you get this nonlinear chaotic phenomenon where a very small change in initial conditions can give rise to enormous changes down the line. Right. So even though uh, 
the forest is just a couple of degrees warmer than it normally is and is just a little bit drier than it normally is, those changes are enough to cause um, these very dynamic phenomena of the fires. Right. And that's just going to get more common, right? And so if we're increasing our temperature day by day, then there's going to be more fires every day. Right. Now, a very strange, confusing thing is that we have enormous rainstorms and in addition even to just hurricanes, obviously, but like the rain, normal storms seem to be much heavier. So we're getting flooding yeah. in places, right. big, big floods. And also another huge creation for the fires is massive droughts. Yep, that's right. So this is this is one of these things that um, people are very puzzled about when yeah. we talk about climate change. So like, how can it be that we have both giant rainstorms and droughts? Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 there's a, a few different things going on here. And one of them is just the energy question that we were talking about a moment ago. So take whatever weather phenomena exists on earth right now and pump them all up. Mm -hmm. So that means if normally we have rainstorms, we're going to have bigger rainstorms. Normally we have blizzards, we're going to have bigger blizzards. And, and so drought also becomes bigger drought. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we're also a related effect is that things, the, the location of weather phenomena is likely to shift as well. Uh -huh. So in places where there didn't used to be droughts, now there are going to be droughts, right? In places right. where there didn't used to be giant rainstorms, there might now be giant rainstorms. Right. Which, which, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Cause that really adds to the problem that the places that are getting flooded now are not places that are used to be having floods, so they haven't they have no infrastructure exactly right to They're deal totally with it. unprepared for it yeah um, and one of the big uh, um, worries about that sort of thing is what's called the uh, the Gulf Stream. I'm not sure you're familiar mm -hmm. with this mm -hmm. so that's there's this um, current of warm water that starts in the Gulf of Mexico and goes north through the Atlantic. Um, and it's water and air. Uh, and that keeps Europe warmer than it should be given its latitude. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, seem, it seems entirely likely that uh, a heating earth will disrupt that Gulf Stream. Um, and that warm water will be diverted to somewhere else. And so we'll have like a, a, a ice age in Europe. In Europe, yeah, that's right. So the average temperatures in Europe drop by... Five ten degrees, say. Wow. Meanwhile, now is, they're having heat. Well, this is what happens. You, get, you know, it's interesting. It strikes me almost. It's like uh, anyone who works with photography, let's say, uh, or played with Photoshop or the little, you know, photo editing on your phone or Photoshop or whatever. It's we're turning up the contrast. Yeah, that's a good way. To, that's you a know? good way to think about it. I so like the that. darks yeah. get darker and the brights get brighter. And uh, you lose the, Im and, and in fact, what happens is to all that stuff in the middle, the middle doesn't exist anymore. Basically, something that might have stayed in a nice moderate zone, you mm -hmm. know, oh, nice rain or oh, a little bit of drought, you know, um, has to go one way or the other. Yeah. So that's sort of right. What's, so that's the, yeah, so that's the, that's the crux of the runaway effects that have sort of been our theme here. Yeah. Uh, is that everything gets forced to the to, to the edges, right? Either yeah. if it's hot, it gets really hot. If it's cold, it gets really cold. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, and that's how you end up with Venus. 
Right. And and Mars, I suppose. And Mars. Yep, that's right. Those are just run, those are runaway effects in different directions. Right. And on Earth, we are uh, doing things that happened on Venus. Uh, and so we're going in the Venus direction. Um, yeah, and that's probably not. Good that was idea. the wrong choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that Mars uh, is yeah, good I either, but Mars, like we should. Yeah. Um, it's uh, so it's kind of handy to have Venus floating there in the sky as a reminder of what happens if you don't get a greenhouse effect under control. Right. So now, continuing our sped up uh, global warming scenario. Right now, we're, let's imagine, so, so, so there's going to be even more extreme weather. And depending on where you live, you're going to get one or the other. Or I imagine you, you might even wind up with both, right? That a place that has extreme drought. In fact, I guess yep. we sort of see this in California. They have extreme drought, but then all of a sudden it'll have enormous rain and it's mudslides and mm -hmm. disasters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what comes next? Oh, after the extreme... Um, well, let's see. So we actually, we I think the, the next thing we need to start thinking about is, so we were talking about air and weather and such yeah. is li uh, living things, right? Uh -huh. So as we mentioned last time, some living things are really sensitive to temperature variations. Mm, so mm -hmm. frogs and newts and, you know, some kinds of fish and such, uh -huh. uh, need to have temperatures in a particular range. And if they don't get it, they just die. Right. right. So uh, one of the uh, early warning signs of climate change generally is that amphibians start dying off in large numbers. Oh, amphibians. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, because they're very sensitive to these sorts of things. Ah. So if all the frogs in your neighborhood die, you know things are bad. Wow. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So uh, in our sped up world, day two, no more frogs. And it's not just, oh, no more frogs, because if you don't like frogs, you're like, whatever. Whatevs. Yeah. But but they're 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 kind of like the canaries in the coal mine. Yep. That's right. You're you know, more as the thing increases, more and more species die. Mm -hmm. And while there might be uh there might there there's gonna be creatures that thrive in this kind of maybe more heat or something like that. But uh, uh, evolution doesn't necessarily work. This is, in fact... It may not work fast enough. Right. The thing, right? But based on our yeah. scenario, that's exactly what's happening, that things are heating up way faster than evolution. Yeah. Um, and you're right that, you know, so the frogs die and people are like, well, I don't like frogs. And then right. the, the salamanders die and I'm like, well, I don't really like salamanders. Um, and we kind of go down the list and then... Uh, you know, a few days into our sped up uh, time, yeah. all of a sudden, Nebraska is too hot for corn to grow. Ah, uh -huh. right. And then suddenly we really care. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's so, actually, that's great if you live in North Dakota or Manitoba because it used to be too cold for you to grow corn there. And now it's nice and warm. Exactly. But, but it, uh, interestingly, what happens is eventually, it's funny because I've often thought, thought about that. It's like, well, you know, the temperate zone will just move higher, which is actually kind of cool, you know. But eventually, so uh, Manito Canada becomes, basically the northern and 
more extreme northern and more extreme southern latitudes become temperate mm-hmm. and good for agriculture. But eventually, it keeps heating up. It keeps heating up. It keeps moving that the 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 best zone for growing food moves north and north and north and north, and then eventually hits the poles. So that's interesting. Maybe a week from now, uh, yeah. next week, mm-hmm. we're going to be growing corn on the North and South Pole, which mm-hmm. is pretty wild. Which is pretty wild. <laughs> but uh, it keeps and, heating up, yeah. and then there's no more. That's right. To and go. no more stock. Um, and that's, I don't know, that might be our, our tipping point for uh, when we're more like Venus than we are like Earth, uh, is when we oh. can't. Uh, agriculture as we know it is not a thing anymore. Right. And, and then and if we keep going, we know that, for instance, life, uh, we discovered that, you know, uh, we've discovered microscopic creatures that can live in extremely hot uh, temperatures. Mm-hmm. But as the global warming increases, it even goes past that. So maybe the, those extremophiles are kind of the last to survive. Yeah, um, that is probably right. Uh, and I can imagine that after a while, you know, we humans build air conditioned domes <clears throat> to live in. Right. That are still kind of comfortable for us. Which pollute the uh, air even more. Which pollute the air even <laughs> more. Uh, and air conditioners are a... Um, a special kind of a machine called a heat pump, which Mm. they don't actually make things colder or hotter. They just move heat around. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. Um, And so there's a, a, so if you've ever like stood on the wrong side of your air conditioner, you know, it's really hot, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's because it's, it's pumping heat from the inside of your apartment to the outside. Uh Uh-huh. And that's uh, the, and the bigger the, difference in temperature of the inside and the outside, the more energy it takes to do that. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yes. So if it's if it's just slightly warm outside, it takes a little bit of energy. If it's really hot outside, it takes a lot of energy. That's right. And you will eventually get to a point where the hot side of the air conditioner is the same temperature as the air outside. Ah, uh-huh. and you can't do it anymore. And then it can't do it anymore. It can't push the heat out anymore. Um, and this is true of all kind of many different kinds of heat engines is you, you need to have a certain kind of temperature differential for it to run. Right. Um, so you, so it would essentially be impossible to run a normal air conditioner on Venus. Ah. It is actually too hot to do that. But what if you had like a nuclear powered air conditioner? Yeah, there are, there are ways to figure it out with like lasers and things. Uh-huh. Um, but it's um, but again, the amount of energy you need. That's now. right. Yeah, eventually it becomes a problem not of available energy so much as there's no place to put the heat that you're trying to move out ah, of right. your apartment. Um, there's already like the outside is already full of heat. There's nowhere to put it. Right now, of course, w- one thing we're uh, we skipped over but everybody knows about is that the 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 uh, ocean the sea level has risen so oh, that's right. that's happened mm-hmm. um and of course that all the carbon dioxide which was uh, we talked a lot more about in the previous episode all the carbon dioxide which has been held in solution in the oceans is pumping out uh so the ocean goes higher all this stuff is pumped out anyway everything's heating up heating up heating up eventually your beautiful air conditioned domes start to fail mm-hmm. and 
Now on Venus, one of the strangest things is you mentioned the pressure, the air pressure on Venus is so high. So this right. is totally different. That's not something we're used to dealing with air pressure at all. That's right. We're not used to, we, we totally ignore it for the most part. Right. Um, so yeah, what but on Venus, it's so uh, intense that, so for instance, um, back in, I think the seventies, the Soviet Union sent a probe yes. to Venus, the Venera probe. Yes. And they knew that pressures were high and temperatures were high um, and it was going to be crazy. So they made it as, as tough as they could. Mm -hmm. uh, so it makes it through the clouds of sulfuric acid. It gets down to the surface. Uh, it takes a picture of the lakes of molten lead uh, and gets crushed like 10 minutes later. <laughs> Amazing. Right? Yeah. It lasts for the, 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 the finest human engineering, the strongest thing we could build and launch into space yeah. um, is crushed like a beer can. Yeah. There, there's a great picture. I mean, the only picture I remember, probably one of the few that it took, you can sort of see its feet. It's like these claws. Yep. Right. <laughs> and that's like the last, the last or the only picture they got, it was able to take and then it got smashed. So the, the pressure comes from what? Uh, the pressure comes from a combination of uh, extremely high temperatures. So uh, as you heat something up, the pressure increases. So that's why your you know your tea kettle whistles because the, the pressure ah, increases as you heat it up. Right. Um, so so here on Earth, as as we if we're heating up um, day by day, the air pressure is increasing here as well. Um, and then just a measure of the sheer amount of stuff in the atmosphere. That is, the, the volcanoes on Venus keep coughing up so much gas that any given volume has more and more stuff in it. Right. And is it gravity? In other words, you could imagine, well, it would, the atmosphere just goes, in other words, the planet's in space, so why doesn't it all just, you know? Well, oh, you yeah, so same as here. So gravity holds the atmosphere in place. Um, and this is one of uh, Mars's problems, too, is that Mars is a little smaller than ah. Earth and Venus, so it didn't have quite enough gravity to hold its atmosphere in. Right. Now, there's something people you don't talk about very much, that yeah. gravity, one of the reasons we have an atmosphere is because we have just enough mass on Earth to mm -hmm. hold this amount of gas. Yeah. And in fact, we don't even, I don't even think of gas being something that's held down by gravity, but of course. We don't. Yeah, we don't think that way. Yeah. Right. That is the case. Because it seems to go up, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, but, but no, actually, so, so at a certain point, um, that all... So our beautiful air-conditioned dome, the air conditioners finally fail. Yep. And then the pressure outside the dome is so huge that the dome basically melts and or collapses uh, yeah, that's right. That would be that would be a fun lottery to have in the last days of human <laughs> civilization. Right. Is will we be crushed or broiled? <laughs> <clears throat> Choose your <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Choose your death. Yes. Uh, fish or fowl? Mm -hmm. Crushed or boiled? Um, how do you like that? Do you <laughs> next time I go to get a steak, would you like that crushed or boiled? <laughs> you wouldn't be steak i don't know yeah no good either way and so really what 
I think people are still thinking of global warming as a matter of inconvenience. Um, yeah, that's right. Except because, scientists who see these scenarios. Right. Yeah. Um, and part of it is that the changes happen very slow. Yeah. Right. By human terms, anyway, um, meaning centuries. Uh, so speeding it up, as we've done, can help with that a little bit. Uh, and also that the effects are distributed unevenly. So if you happen to live in a place that is still temperate, yeah. then you might not notice particularly. Right? You get one extra big blizzard a year, and you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, but if you're living someplace um, that gets hit by hurricanes five times a year instead of once, you're really going to notice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And something that's often pointed out is that the, the impact of climate change um, falls very heavily on uh, the poor. Yes. Right? The, the people who live in the places that are hit the hardest um, are the least able to deal with the effects. Yep. Yep. And uh, it, it seems to me maybe it's a, maybe I'm not watching enough television or even discovery <laughs> channel right. yeah but i feel like science communication isn't conveying the story in quite like even just this little um, and i'm not saying this is the greatest podcast in the world but <laughs> at least at the current temperature of the earth this is the best there's just that little scenario and and by the way there are great science fiction books and in fact uh, kim stanley robinson is in any of his books, but he's written uh, some explicitly on imagining scenarios of global warming, and they are yeah. amazing. But very, you know, relatively, even though he's one of the greatest and has a huge fan base, it's a small amount of people in the world that are able to envision these kind of things. And um, maybe the movies that we've had are still a little bit, they just seem weird and simplistic. It's like, oh, the earth freezes, or the earth, whatever. Um, we're not playing it out step by step by step. Mm -hmm. That seems to be a huge, a huge thing. Yeah, I think that's right. And you know, one of my favorites for this is still um, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. Ah, yeah, I should go back um, and look at that. He yeah. does a marvelous job walking us through the steps. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's what, 20 years old now. That's kind of crazy to think about. Wow. Um, well, maybe 15, but along. It's older than it should be. Yeah. Uh, but it is still excellent and hard to hard to beat in terms of its presentation yeah all right so good documentary recommendation there <laughs> i highly recommend yeah go watching convenient truth and by the way they've done a follow-up to that i think even. oh yeah that's right um a I more inconvenient truth i think it's more inconvenient i think so <laughs> uh anyway yeah look that up and uh share with us you know here, here's something we haven't done before but like this is where science communication is fun, but can also help uh, change the world, as Bill Nye says. So One send hopes, us, yeah. yeah, send us your ideas. Feedback at whattheif.com. Tell us what you thought about this scenario, and also ideas for how would you convey? How can you help people you know? Um, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. How how could you get people to understand? That's right. What would people pay attention to? Yeah. Um, suggestion because it's not always the case that the most technically detailed sophisticated presentation is what's going to change people's minds right for sure like i mean a will smith movie um i don't he's done some things along this line along these lines uh, these sort of apocalyptic scenario but um, that kind of thing if it's well done um could have the best uh, effect 
add to this yeah add to the, the mix of things that get people ready to act um, so good thank you for uh, thank you for coming with us on this journey everyone um, and I often end by saying be great one, one thing we've learned is be grateful for blank here I would say be grateful for the fact that we're only where we're at <laughs> yeah that's right as, as bad as it might be um, yeah it can get a lot worse and know that we oh be grateful for uh, knowing that a government if it were to act properly can make a difference we can we make a difference we don't have yeah. acid, we, acid rain pollution is considerably less than it was before um, but we need to keep going in that direction so as much as I enjoy doing this show as a break from politics <laughs> uh, this comes up here's a place where science can really make a difference in a positive way so wonderful so uh, again shoot us your ideas just reactions whatever feedback at whattheif.com you can email us hit us up on twitter at whattheifshow uh, join all the many uh, followers we have there and uh, more and more each day sharing uh uh, fun stuff and important stuff and beautiful stuff and inspiring stuff and haunting stuff and whatever your flavor crushed or boiled <laughs> uh, so yeah we also share science news and oddities we share there um, and so forth Matt thank you very much this is you really it's so helpful Good. I have so many horrible nightmarish visions now I'm always happy to terrify you. Yeah, I always look forward to living inside that dome, frankly. <laughs> now Briefly. Obviously it's, yeah. yeah, it's a brief it's a brief thing. Um, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us reviews on iTunes, please. I know a, a lot of you, in fact, the vast majority of our audience, and this is probably true for all podcasting, um, is on Apple uh, or iOS uh, devices. So if you're listening on one of those, go to iTunes. If you're not, if you're one of our Android fans, uh, friends, uh, or from non uh, outside the Apple Dome, and you're in the Android Dome. Um, tell us how we can reach more people there. Would be fun. And, and if you, oh, it's still, if you know how to go to iTunes, if you're one of the people that knows how to go to iTunes, you're a special person. And you really, <laughs> it's true. You can use this skill. We really would appreciate it. You you might think, oh, everybody knows how to do it. Everybody's doing. It. I don't need to do that. If you know, hey, how to go to iTunes and click. Re- Find our show on iTunes, click reviews, and add a review, or even just click uh, five stars. Uh, you don't have to write anything. Do that. And we, we really appreciate it. Um, next week, I again, we don't know. The slate is clean. That's right. We never know what's going to happen. Venus goes back to being the only place like Venus. Mars goes back to the only place being like Mars. Earth is the only place like Earth. There's no place like home. And next week, we will... Screw it up again. <laughs> no doubt. In the interest of science. And when that happens, we will say... What, what the... If... 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 if, if. 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 Bye now.